You're listening to audio from Risen Life Fellowship. If you'd like to learn more about our church or donate to this ministry, please visit risenlifefellowship.com. All right, well, I hope you're doing well this morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Today's Palm Sunday. You guys know that? So um, this is the day that uh, what, that that we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem for the last time, right? For the last time before giving his life on the cross, and and the day that they remember lined the streets um, with the palm branches, saying, Here, "Here's our king, right? Here is our king." And then a few days later, many of those same voices are saying, "What? Crucify him!" They had missed their their Messiah, right? But this is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming, and He's coming for His. Um, you know, we we keep reading in John like um, they couldn't kill Him because His time had not yet come. Like we've said that several times, we've read that several times in John already. But this is the time, right? That that we start celebrating on Palm Sunday, and then, um, of course, Easter next week. Um, that's the happiest day of the year for you, right? That's better than Christmas, right? I mean, it should be, right? Hello? I mean, for, for Christians, like Easter, is, that's where it's at, right? I mean, he is risen from the dead. He is risen from the dead, amen? Yes, so I, I look forward to celebrating um, with you guys next week. And, um, you know, this day also kicks off another special week for our church family uh, called Love Week, and uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry about that, um, and throughout this week there's going to be several opportunities for you to show the love of Christ um, to your neighbors, to our church neighbors, and to your neighbors in hopes that, um, in hopes that we would be able to have several gospel encounters this week, right, amen, that we would have several gospel encounters, be able to share the gospel with people, so more on kind of those events a little bit later. But if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to John chapter eight. John chapter eight, and if you're new to us this morning, we are studying through ch- uh, the Gospel of John right now. We've made it to chapter eight. It only took us three and a half years, and here we are. And no, it's only been a few months, guys. I know it seems like three and a half years. It's only been a few months, but here we are in John 8, and um, last week we looked at the second I am statement of Jesus, right? I am statement of Jesus, and and anybody remember what it was? If you don't, you're really going to hurt my feelings, so anybody remember what it was? I am the the light of the world, thank you, Heath. David almost ruined it completely, and then (laughs) even though I know, (laughs) I'm just playing, you know that. Uh, yeah, no, thank you, Heath. I, I am the light of the world. And as the light of the world, we saw how uh, Jesus illuminates our paths and he illuminates our hearts, right? And how he testifies of himself. He is the light. He is light in himself, right? He doesn't know what gives him light, like, like he gives us light. No, he is light in himself. He needs no other testimony because he is God, amen? He is God. And and we saw how he exposes sin. Did you get exposed any this week? Anybody get some, some sin exposure this week? Maybe some ouch that hurt from the word of God this week. He exposes us as the light of the world. And, and then we, we talked about how he overcomes the darkness completely. Um, so this morning we, we're still looking at this very same conversation, same chapter, um, same conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jews. And we're going to see another huge statement of Jesus that I'm sure you've heard of. Even if you didn't grow up in church, I'm sure you've heard of. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to see Jesus say here, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Y'all know that was from the Bible? Yeah, but probably a lot of y'all did. But it seems like it's not the way people just toss it around, right? I mean, you hear that all the time. You shall... Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Um, you know, this is certainly a phrase that we hear a lot, and um, many people, many institutions like to throw this around. We see it in a in a courtroom, maybe, or 
Uh, you may see it uh, on a college. Lots of colleges love this verse. They just don't say it's from Jesus, you know. But they, they love this, the truth shall set you free. But, of course, they don't mean what Jesus means, right? They mean this pursuit of knowledge. Like, if you know everything there is to know, you will be free. That's complete junk, right? We, we know that to be true. We'll talk about that today. But, um, yeah, we see it on college campuses, courtrooms. You hear individuals express it. But, but you know, what does it really mean? And... Um, this is one of those verses the world has decided to kind of hijack and, and create whatever meaning they feel like to it, right? whatever, whatever, um, whatever meaning I see fit, that's, that's what I'll use it for. And so even though ironically, they usually use it in a context of, of bondage, like they're not free at all. They use it in a, a context um, that, that brings more bondage. And if you follow what they mean by it, you're just going to end up more in chains than you ever were. Um, they use it in the context of total blindness from the real truth that we'll talk about this morning. And um, as we'll see this morning, Jesus has a very specific point in making this statement that has nothing to do with how we normally hear it used. So if you will, turn with, or turn with me to John 8, and uh, we're going to start in verse 31. And if you can, um, stand with me. And we're going to read down to verse 47 this morning. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. There's Jesus with his super seeker sensitive speech there. Right? Again, last year, last week it was, you will die in your sins, right? You will die in your sins this week. It's, you are of your father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. Let's keep reading. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for this building to worship in. I thank you for these people, each individual that has come uh, to worship with us and it's such a privilege to us god i pray that they would feel welcome and um already like part of the family god and uh lord we we just ask that you would bless this time of worship in the word and that you would be glorified lord that you would remove distractions lord that you would have your way god that you would move me out of the way so that you can speak to your people Father, I, I just I just beg you to do that this morning, to speak through your spirit um, to whoever needs to hear. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Now these are the these are the religious elite on earth right now in the first century that Jesus is talking to. He says, um, Your father is the devil. You are not of God. Tough 
tough words from Jesus, right? Um, and so as we look at this today, I, w- I want to look at three things in regards to this freedom that Jesus talks about. Um, the nature of freedom, the key to freedom, and the deception of bondage. So let's start with the nature of freedom. Jesus says here, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, I, there's something about that phrase, I think, that I think this is why the world loves it so much. Because there's something about that phrase that I think everyone hears and they think, oh, yes, that's what I've been looking for. I, I've been looking for that freedom. Yes, this sounds great. I need that freedom in my life. I think that every human since Adam and Eve has longed for this freedom that Jesus talks about here because every one of us has this sense inside of us that we're not free in some way. Like there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with life. We need to find this truth that Jesus talks about here. And all of us are just on, on the journey to find it. Right? All of us are the same and that we are all on this journey of life to find this truth which Jesus has found. Hopefully you found this truth. Hopefully you found this truth. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this truth this morning. But we're all equal in that regard. There's, some, there's an emptiness in us. There's a, something missing in us. And it's this freedom that Jesus talks about. As I was thinking of a definition of that true freedom, um, you know, it's almost self-explanatory. It's something we all feel, but it's a little bit hard to define, I think. Um, I kind of struggle with define, defining it because I think it can be kind of broad. But I think basically what freedom is, is, is having that longing inside of our souls fulfilled. Okay, It's having that longing fulfilled. It's being free from searching any longer for that thing that's going to make us happy. Both now and in the next life. If there is a next life, right? We know that there is, of course. But it's being free from from that search, that search any longer, being free from that emptiness. It's finding some sort of peace for our souls, and we all long for that. It's living the way that we were designed by our Creator to live and finding our purpose. And we we all want to find our purpose. We all want that. It's a universal human condition. See, we all have these huge questions of what, what, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? And, and what, what happens after this life? These questions that, that haunt every single one of us. And we spend life searching for fulfillment to these questions, right? So if we can find that thing that brings us happiness, both now, I can be happy now, and I can be happy when I die, we would be free. That would be the key to freedom. But Jesus says here in verse 34 that there's a problem with that. He says that whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, has anyone in here committed sin? Okay, Darren in the back. Everybody else, Carrie, yes. Me too, I'm with you too. You know, and I think the rest of the people are with us as well. Um, of course, we, we have all sinned we have all i mean you feel that right like i don't need to explain this to you um we know that we have committed sin it's it's in us the guilt and the shame tells us hey you've done something wrong you can be an atheist this morning and you know you've committed sin you can feel that so don't be ridiculous you know you know what sin is and you know you've committed it and you know, if you're honest, you're a slave to it. Jesus is actually right here. He says to the Pharisees that the truth shall set them free. And they say back, well, how can you say that, that, that uh, you will be made free? You know, in other words, they don't understand why they don't understand how he's saying that they're in bondage. And we're going to get to them a little bit later. And Jesus says, well, here's how you're in bondage. If you commit sin, you are a slave to sin and slavery to sin cannot be freedom. So you are not free. See, the, barrier, the barrier to freedom is that each of us this morning is a slave to sin, according to Jesus. The problem is that since the fall of, of Adam and Eve, 
Every human has been a slave to sin. We think that if, if we just follow every desire that we have, um, then we will get rid of this emptiness. And then we'll find happiness. If I just follow my next desire, and you guys have heard me say this on numerous occasions, but if I, I just follow that next desire, maybe there I'm going to find the answer. I'm going to find the freedom. I'm going to find happiness. We think that freedom comes in just doing whatever we want whenever we want. The problem is that much of what we desire is in opposition to what our Creator knows is best for us. Most of our desires, uh, in fact, revolve around violating God's number one commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Because we are elevating ourselves and our desires over God, the one true God. And the more we follow our desire to sin, because we think that's where happiness lies, the more we follow that, the more empty we become. Do you guys feel that too? The more you follow your own desires that you know are against the word of God, even as a Christian you can do this, right? The more we do that, the more, oh, I'm not fulfilled by that. I'm not fulfilled by a binge watching that show. I thought I would be. Like, I wanted to watch that, and I thought it would be really entertaining. And it's just, now I feel empty, and I feel like maybe I should have just read my Bible. And I'm not fulfilled by whatever, whatever you, you want to say. We, 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 fo- we follow our desires. We think we're going to find our happiness there. And the more we do that, the more empty we become. We can't stop because it's what we desire in our human flesh. But when we follow it, we're still empty. So we're kind of trapped. We are slaves to sin. Sin controls us. Sin has power over us. Sin makes us believe that there's something worth living for that would be better than following God. On top of that, that kind of slavery, God also says that the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. So your payment for sin is death. This is the penalty of sin. So even if following sin made us happy, and we've already established it doesn't, but even if following sin made us happy, we'd still have a problem because sin damns us to hell. Sin separates us from God for eternity. So we're slaves to sin. We are helpless because sin entices us to chase things that do not ultimately fulfill. And then sin also uh, condemns us to hell. Well, that does not sound like freedom. But it feels like freedom. Like, like we, we think it's going to be freedom. I guess I just need to do this and I, I will be free. But it's not freedom. We chase it. The more we chase it, the more empty we become. And so some have said, well, um, if I can just kill my desires then and, and change my behavior, that's what I'll do. I will just be really good. Do the things that God says that, that he, he wants. Um, this is the heart of every religion in the world, apart from Christianity, by the way. Every single religion is just as condemning as atheism. Other than Christianity. It says, I can earn my way. You know, I, 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 if I just do good things, then that's, what, that's where I'll find the freedom. This was the Jews' main issue, right? And, and they thought they had earned it, as we're going to see here. But they just thought, oh, if, I, if we are perfect with this law stuff, we will earn our way to heaven. What we find is that it's just as empty as, as following our sinful desires. So we're, if we follow our sinful desires, we're condemned. If we try to do the right things, we're condemned. It's a bondage. We keep ourselves from doing the things we want to do, and the more we try to avoid sin, the more we want it. And ultimately, the more we do sin. On top of that, even if we, even if you realize if you eliminated sin from now until you died, you would still go to hell apart from Jesus. Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I've already blown it. And I blew it years ago. I blew it before I even realized, like, okay, um, you know, before I even really uh, realized, you know, how to follow God or what, or what God really wanted. I blew it a long time ago with sin, and um, we have to be perfect to get to heaven. Right? We have to be perfect to pay for our sin, and we're not. 
So even if we eliminated, eliminated sin today, we've already blown it. We're already condemned. it will eternally separate us from God. And if we try to get rid of our sin on our own by earning God's favor, we fail at that too. We're just a bunch of big failures. Man. More bondage and more bondage. The law is constantly telling us, you don't measure up. You're not perfect. You've broken God's law, so we're locked into this bondage of sin, and we, we can't get ourselves out. You can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. We are slaves to sin. Period. Whether you believe that or not, that is true, and if you look at your life, you can see that that's true. Okay? You may be in denial about that fact this morning, but uh, make no mistake, you are a slave to sin. You are a slave to sin and you're helpless in that. So the nature of true freedom is being somehow set free from this bondage of sin to find our true purpose. Um, John Popper described it this way, this freedom. He said, having the desire, the ability and the opportunity to do what makes us happy now and in a thousand years when you're dead. So having the desire, the ability, the opportunity to, to be happy now in what you do. And also be happy when you're not here any longer. So in eternity, in other words. So doing the things that we want to do and finding happiness in them. We already know we can't do that, right? Finding happiness in them, but also still finding happiness in them in a thousand years. So in other words, being in heaven. And that's just against our nature. Our nature wants to sin because we think of ourselves over everything. But we sin and find it doesn't set us free. It just makes us need to sin more. And then we find that at the end, the sin, the sin we're chasing to find happiness results in eternity in hell. So you guys get the picture of the nature of of freedom and thank god this has been a really grim message so far and i'm sorry but uh, that's just the state of affairs for all of our hearts and that's the way the bible paints it and i can't paint it another way it's a grim gloomy picture but thank god that christ doesn't leave us there amen thank god i feel like i should have heard more there with the amen because i just painted this very bad picture and then okay so so, you know, I don't even remember what I said now. Oh, thank God that Christ does not leave us there in that grim reality, right? Yes, thank God he doesn't. Of wanting and desiring freedom, but I'm never able to attain freedom. I can't do it. And that really leads us to the next point, which is the key to freedom. The key to freedom. This is where it starts to get a little better here. Um, so remember from last week that we looked or look with me in verse 30 here, it says that many of those Jews that Jesus is talking to believed in him. Okay, great. That's awesome. He's talking to some Pharisees. Looks like some of them believed in him. And remember though, last week I told you that that belief was going to be tested. And here is the test, starting in verse 31 and continuing through the rest of this chapter. Jesus is about to find out from them, and, and of course he already knows, um, but he's about to test if this is true genuine faith in him or not i remember we've seen this several times now in john in chapter two uh, there were those who believed in jesus because of his miracles right so they believed in jesus but only because of his miracles and it said jesus did not believe in them jesus did not entrust himself to them it was false discipleship in chapter six we see the same thing um, with much of that crowd uh, they were following him because Jesus was really good at making food out of nothing. He was really good at that. 
And, and they, they really liked that about Jesus. And so they believed in Jesus because they were hungry. And Jesus would meet that need, they thought. They believed in Jesus out of what they could gain. Not out of a desire to find true freedom in him. They didn't want anything to do with that. Now, here we have another group who expresses belief in Christ. But um, based on this conversation, it, it does not look like they were genuine in that belief either. So more false discipleship. That's a theme in John, by the way. If you haven't noticed, this false discipleship. And we don't talk a lot about it in 2021 because we want everybody to think they're okay, I think. And I want you to think you're okay too, but only if you're okay. You understand? Like, I, I don't want you saying you're following Jesus when you're not following Jesus. I don't want you to say that He is your only hope when your life screams that you have all these other hopes. And those are more important to you than Jesus. That's false discipleship. And so John makes a point of it because it happens every single day. And kind of the church has created it a little bit, right? Because for years we said, just say this prayer. If you say this prayer, you're, you will say, okay, how many of y'all said that prayer? Okay, um, you can come up here and be baptized. We never had an actual conversation about what did, what did that mean to you? Like, are you really laying your life down here? Or are you just doing that because your buddy beside you raised his hand? Like, what, what is this? And many people were saved from that, you know, but, but many people were damned from that. It's called easy believism. It's just too easy. That's not what Jesus calls you to, to say a prayer. He calls you to lay your life down and repent of your sin. See, we, we left out the repent part all the time. But don't worry about repenting of your sin. It's just accept Jesus. Accept Jesus and he will accept you. Well, that's not how it works. You can't accept Jesus because you are a slave to sin. So we've, we've kind of, false discipleship is huge in 2021 as well, right? It's not just in John's day. So John focuses on false discipleship. And here's what Jesus says. He gives the test for true discipleship. He says in verse 31, if you abide in my word. You might want to underline that. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. He says, okay, you say you believe in me. We will see if you do, because a true disciple of mine does the things that I say. A true disciple of mine abides in my word. Now that word abide, John uses it 40 times in this gospel. He, he loves that word abide. And then in his three epistles, John uses it another 23 times. It's kind of an important concept, this abiding in Christ, the word abide, it means to, to live in, to remain in, to continue in. If you continue in my word, you are my true disciples. That's much different than if you prayed a prayer. You are my true disciples. See the difference there. Now, part of salvation is saying a prayer, by the way. There's no magical prayer. But it is a cry out to God, Lord, please forgive me of sin. And I, I want to lay my life down for you, right? I don't mean to paint the wrong picture here. But it's not simply just words. That's what I mean. It's abiding in Christ. It's continuing in the words of Christ. That's the test of a true believer. Whether or not he continues in the word of Christ. The words of Jesus must become incarnate in us. So Jesus is... God incarnate, right? God in, in flesh. His words must become to live inside of us. We must eat them and drink them, as he said in a previous chapter. His words must control everything that we do. If we're truly his disciples. We live for, for learning more of his word and obeying his word. Now, notice Jesus isn't saying. That you abide in his word to become a disciple. Okay, that, that's really important. Because if you abide in his word, you just follow all the words that Jesus said. But you're not in him. 
you're still in bondage. And, and you're just, you can line yourself up with all the other religions in the world because you're just trying to change behavior. You're just trying to do all the things that Jesus said. And if I do all the things that Jesus said, then Jesus will be happy with me. That's not what he said. That's not, you don't abide in his word to become a disciple. No, it is, it is by grace through faith in Christ. Christ's work on the cross. And only his work on the cross um, is that we can be saved by. Yeah? That's it. Jesus had to pay for your sin, and we must have to we have to put on that payment. He pays for our sin, our sin. We put on his righteousness. We are saved. We do that by repentance of faith, uh, repentance of sin and surrender. So he's not saying that um, you abide in his word to become a disciple, but rather abiding is the very essence of. Of a true disciple. It defines a true disciple. Once you become a believer. You you do live for the words of God. You just do. If you don't find yourself doing that. You probably didn't become a true believer. I don't mean you're perfect at that every single day. We'll get to that. But that should be the overall pattern of your life. Yes. I want to follow my king. He set me free from sin. And man, I want to give back to him. I I want to follow him. Not because I have, not because I can earn anything. But because he is so awesome. Because he is so worthy. We live for his words. Once we become believers, you have found your home in obeying Christ. And that's really the miracle of salvation. Because before, you didn't want that at all. You wanted sin. Okay, before Christ, you just wanted sin. Well, yeah, I mean, and you maybe not have called it sin. It's just you wanted what you wanted. You wanted the things that make you happy, and a lot of that was sin, unfortunately. We want what we want. But the miracle of salvation is that now we somehow hate sin because it cost Jesus his life. And now we want Jesus. We want the things of Jesus. We're so enamored by Christ's sacrifice on the cross that we desire to follow Him. We found our identity in Him and nothing else. And, and so notice the progression here. If you abide in His Word, verse 32, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. It is through first believing in Christ, then abiding in His Word as a true disciple, that then we can know the truth and then we can be free. We find fulfillment of that lifelong search to know the truth that we're all looking for. We find it in Jesus. And we discover here that, that truth, it's not, just, it's not just an accumulation of knowledge. It's not just uh, an idea. It's not some abstract, weird thing that the universe just throws out there. Um, it's, that's not what truth is is it, it's not an idea. Truth is a person. And his name is Jesus. We'll see it in John 14, where Jesus explicitly says, he says, I am the way, the truth, right?
I mean, it's counterintuitive to follow Jesus because of what our desires are before Christ. But it's only in following him that we'll find that true happiness, that, that, that true freedom. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 10, 39. He says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to you. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're not a believer before, before Christ, that does not make sense to us. Okay, I need to lose my life to find it. You can gain the whole world and, and continue to follow your desires and gain the whole world, but you will ultimately lose everything, Jesus says. But it's when I give up my desires and I decide um, to follow Christ, repent of sin, and follow Christ that you will find true life and true freedom. It doesn't make sense, but if you've done that this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know that freedom that you have in Jesus. Now, okay, the moment we become Christians, we are set free from the penalty of sin. Thank God. All right, so that takes care of that. Jesus paid the penalty for us on the cross so that when we repent of sin, we turn to him and trust. Our sins are paid for. They are forgiven. We can be in heaven with God forever. Nothing will ever change that if you're a believer. No sin that you commit today will ever change that if you're a believer. Our sins are covered in Jesus. So that gives us part of this freedom equation that we talked about at the start. It gives us happiness for eternity after this life, right? Like it gives us that, that freedom in eternity. We're immediately set free from the penalty of sin. But we are also freed from the power of sin over our lives. When Christ saves us, he sends his spirit to live inside of us. And he gives us new desires. Did anybody experience that in their life? Did you have new desires when you came to Christ? Yes, you did. Because if you did come to Christ, you did have new desires. You did have a desire. You had less of a desire for sin. You had a shame. How did I do that? How did I, how did I nail him to the cross? And you had new desires for things that, that he wants. Things like, oh, I want to go to church all of a sudden. That's weird. That's weird. I, I mean, that's not just like a natural human desire. I want to be with other believers. Like, I want to fellowship. I want to, I want to actually share with somebody what this weird feeling I have. That's very weird. That's not a natural desire. I want to talk about how great God is. You never wanted to do that before. He wasn't that great to you. He's just a punisher, right? But in Christ, man, you see his beauty. You see his love. Like you, you understand why he had to condemn sin. And you understand that even though he has to do that, he's paid for it. He has paid for it. And it's so precious to you. You have new desires. That's a capability you did not have before Christ. To do the things that please God and actually desire to do those things. So we have happiness in this life. That doesn't mean our circumstances are great. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we have all these physical blessings. Man, there's joy in doing the things that the Creator wants to us to do and that the creator knows are best for us and suddenly we want to do those things so it's not hard for us to do those things we just we have a desire for them a desire to do the things that please God and boy that is freeing when his commands aren't a burden to you anymore because you know you can't be saved by them you know you've broken them but you know Christ has paid for them and that is a freeing moment when you realize that and when you start to want the things that he wants so the power over our sin or the power of sin over our lives as our master is defeated in abiding in Jesus we have the capability now of overcoming sin in our lives and living out our true purpose 
of bringing God glory. We've been set free through Jesus. Amen. We've been set free this morning. Let's look at Romans chapter 6 real quick at how Paul puts this here. Uh, if I'm going to read verses 20 through 23. That really, that whole chapter would be great for you to go back and read in regards to this here. But verse 20, for, for when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. In other words, um, you didn't want to do righteous things. You didn't want to do things that pleased God. You couldn't do those things. We all want to do sin. And our conscience tells us that and that those things are wrong. He says, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Think of all that you did that now you look back with, with shame. That is bondage right there. Shame and guilt. We follow our hearts which lead to sin and that leads to guilt and shame because we know we've done wrong. He says, for the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, through Jesus, right? Having been set free through, from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus says eternal life is knowing God. It's knowing God, that is His gift to us, that we can know Him because He has paid for our sins. The wages of The deception of bondage. Now we are slaves to sin and we don't even realize it. It's such a deceiving thing. And these Pharisees really show the nature of their belief in this section. They are revealed as, as, as simply, they're, they're giving mental acknowledgement to Jesus, those that believed, but they have not surrendered to Him as Lord. They're not interested in abiding in Him and so we see how deceived they are. And, and I think we can draw a few parallels to our culture today as well. So let's first look in verse 33. Jesus has just made this, this big statement about being set free. And they say, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Now, obviously, they understand what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about spiritual bondage, not physical bondage. Because if he was talking about physical bondage, I mean... You know, even at the time of this conversation, they are literally in bondage to the Roman Empire. Most of the life of the Jewish people up to that point uh, was in bondage, right? Uh, first Egypt and then, you know, throughout the years, Assyria, Babylon, Persia. 
uh, Rome, Greece. It was uh, mostly physical bondage for God's people. <clears throat> and so they understand he, he's not talking about uh, physical bondage. He's talking about spiritual bondage. But look at how self-deceived they are. They don't even recognize that they could be in bondage. And Jesus' response is that you're enslaved. Sin leads us to such blindness and self-deception, though, thinking that we're okay. Okay, and that is, the, that is the case of everyone who is not a believer in Christ. They are blinded. And they truly do think, yes, I'm a good person. Because sin has a, such a blinding effect, such a deceiving effect on our hearts. So Jesus tells them here that, they are slaves, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. That's another way of saying that unless they come through the Son, through Him, um, God will be done with them. They are His people in the sense of uh, physically descending from Abraham, yes, but not in the sense that matters, in abiding in Him, and abiding in what Abraham um, lived in. So sin not only blinds us to our need, it also blinds us to more sin. In verse 39, Jesus says that if Abraham was really their father, they would do Abraham's works. But instead, they are trying to kill him at this very moment. They're trying to kill Jesus at this very moment. They are ca so caught up in their bondage to sin that they can't even recognize the evil that they are committing. I mean, that's like the worst evil. Like that's killing someone. And they don't get it. They are about to commit murder and would in just a few short months. Now, can you imagine the blindness of these people? When sin controls us, it just leads us to rationalizing more and more and more sin. We think another sin is going to bring us that freedom. It doesn't, um, right? And, and so even as believers, if we allow sin to have power once again by not abiding in Christ consistently, it can lead to more sin and more rationalizing of our sin. You ever rationalized your sin? You ever used a Bible verse to rationalize your sin? Yeah, me too. Man, we're so wicked. That's what sin does. We're so blind to the evil that we are committing. We just rationalize it more and more and we fall deeper and deeper into it, which leads to more and more emptiness. And as a believer, man, that's the most miserable place in the world to be. Knowing the truth, knowing that you have been set free from the penalty of sin, but not living in the power that you have over sin in the Holy Spirit. That's miserable. And that's why Paul warns us so many times to crucify the lust of the flesh, don't let Satan have a foothold in your life. Having been set free from sin, we can willingly put the chains of sin right back on us. And so the conversation continues here, and the Pharisees, um, like most people do, they resort to slander. In verse 11, or verse 41, I'm sorry, um, Jesus says, you do the deeds of your father, and he's about to define for us who their father is. And they say, we weren't born of fornication. We have 
one Father, God. Now this was an apparent shot at, at the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth, right? So this is some of the slander involved uh, with Jesus. Remember, Mary was pregnant before she and Joseph knew each other. Of course, we know the reason for that. We know it had to happen that way, right? We know that's the only way that Jesus could have been born. It had to happen that way through the virgin birth. But to some of them, it was just a scandal. And apparently, they had heard about it and not cared enough to look into it themselves. So Jesus is just born out of fornication. We weren't, though. We are children of God. And isn't that often the way of the world as well. They're self-deceived and they're thinking they're fine. Then they get very dis- defensive. And then we resort to personal attacks. Right? Oh, you Christians, you're just a bunch of bigots. You guys are the problem, right? You, you, you must be intellectually challenged to believe in a creator. Are you kidding me? How, what imbeciles? And this is the world talking to you this morning if you're in Christ. I'm sure you've heard these attacks on Christians. Christians are the problem in the society, right? We, we see this more and more that that is the world's agenda. The world's agenda is that you are the problem if you're in Christ. Just watch the news. Watch it how Christians are treated in this country. We are the problem according to the world. You see, when you cannot refute the rock-solid evidence for Christ, and you refuse to come to Him because you are a slave to sin, you want to do what you want to do, that's the only thing left to do. It's make fun of those who come. Make empty claims about how dumb and mean Christians are. You've got to have some excuse for why you won't come. This sin is so powerful in its deception. We see it again in verse 46. Jesus makes a really powerful challenge. He says, which of you convicts me of sin? You know what he's saying there? He is saying, I am sinless. Go ahead, any of y'all, name a sin that I've committed. That's what he says to them. That's a big statement from Jesus. And then he says, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? You can't name a sin that I've committed. So that means I'm telling the truth. And if I tell the truth, why do you want to kill me? Why do you not just come to me? If you were of God, you would hear me, but you're not of God. He's saying, I'm sinless. None of you can question that. And here I am speaking the truth, and you refuse to believe. He's saying, essentially, you have all the proof you need that I am who I I say I am. But you're not listening to it. You don't want to hear. They are slaves to the deception. And boy, we see this today as well. Some people can have all the evidence in the world. And they're still just going to reject because sin has so deceived them. Now, we still need to get them the evidence, right? We're a church that is about apologetics. We want to know how we want to teach you how to defend what you believe. But the sad reality is that some will never come, no matter how much evidence you've shown them, even if they've been convinced intellectually. Apologetics doesn't save people in and of itself. But it does convince people, and hopefully that can lead to something more. You know, it's been 2,000 years, and this gospel still stands just as firm as it was at the time it was performed. There have been lots of attacks on Christianity, but not one has stood. God has preserved His Word beautifully, and it kills the world to know that. It kills a slave of sin to know that. And it kills the God of this world, Satan, to know that. Just do a study of of the persecution of the church and ask yourself, how in the world does Christianity even exist today? How does It is an absolute miracle that Christianity even exists today because of the persecution that has gone on throughout the centuries. Many, many, many have have tried to destroy the power of the cross 
and of the resurrection. But all have failed. Amen. Every single one has failed. We have all the evidence that we need. And it is rock solid evidence. But some will not believe. And we see here an allusion to kind of the end game of the deception of the bondage of sin as, as we continue. Uh, Jesus says in verse 42 that if God was their father, they would love him because he came from God, the father. Then he asked them, why do you not understand the things I'm saying? And he answers his own question in verse 43. He says, because you are not able. To listen to my word, you're not able See, they've been so enslaved by sin. By their choice, they have chosen to be enslaved by sin. They've chosen to continue to follow sin. So deceived that some of them have become now incapable of even listening at that point. Because of their stubborn unbelief, some have already become so hardened that they'll never come. And that's the scariest thing on earth to me. That you can reach a point where you have rejected so many times that God says, I'm done. Even when you're still alive. That's scary. That you can grow so numb to the truth, but it's only the truth that will set you free from your bondage. And that's the danger of continual rejection of the gospel. There all, you have all the evidence that you need. That Christ is exactly who he says he is. You're not coming because of a lack of evidence. You're coming because of a stubbornness. And because of a slavery to sin. You want to do what you want to do. And you don't want to answer to God for it. Well the problem is you will answer to God for it. And we see in verse 44 the power behind this deception of the bondage of sin. It's Satan. Jesus says he is their father. These Pharisees, he is their father. And they want to do his desires. That's the bottom line. He was a murderer from the beginning and there is no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of all lies. What a warning that should be to us as believers. And so many warnings are given in the New Testament about the deceptive power of Satan about how he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan hates you as a believer, but he hates you as a non-believer. He just hates. That's who he is, and he will do anything to deceive you. That's what he's been doing since the garden. That's his tactic. Did God really say it that way? Is that what God said? Well, God, God's just afraid that if you eat of that apple, you're just going to be just like him. That's what it is. And Adam and Eve believed, right? They believed the deception. It's the same old trick, but boy, it's a powerful one, guys. And we better give it some respect. When we constantly refuse truth offered to us, we must understand that there is a being whose sole desire is for you to reject this freedom that Christ offers. He lives for that, and He is a master deceiver, and He is much more powerful than you or I alone. We must give Him that. He is much more powerful than any mere man. Again, we're helpless. And we need a Savior who is more powerful than Him, and we have Him in Jesus The bondage of sin is so, so, so deceptive, even so deceptive that that Christians sometimes go back to it, as we talked about having been freed from sin on the cross. We we go back to living for our own desires again, thinking those are going to fulfill. We do that. And I think all of us have periods when we do that. Right. We go back to those fleshly desires. We think that's going to fulfill. And Satan makes it so appealing. He's so good at it. But we must remember that the end of that road is death. And if you're in Christ this morning, you you will not go to hell, right? The penalty of sin has been paid for. I mean, you can have such misery on this earth and such loss and such death here on this earth, too. And such loss of reward in heaven. 
Don't you want to be able to stand before Jesus and say, I, I, I wanted to abide in you my whole life, Jesus. That was my aim. And I did that. I do. I, I want to be able to tell Jesus that. The end of the road of sin and deception is death. But Jesus has come so that we might have life and have it more abundant, both in eternity and on earth. Again, not talking about physical things, but spiritual life here on earth. He wants to free us completely. He's come to free us from the power of Satan, and he's the only one who could. He's come to free us from the power of sin, and he's the only one that could. He's come to free us from the penalty of sin, and he's the only one that could and one day he will put an end to satan's deception for good right and satan will be cast into the lake of fire and his day will be over but until that he calls us to abide in him christian live remain in continue in his word for we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. Can you bow your heads with me as we close? I'm going to ask the band to come on up. And maybe you've come here longing for that freedom that we've talked about. You've searched everywhere and nothing has satisfied and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about with this emptiness. Well, there's hope for you if you're here this morning listening to this. Come today through Christ. Come today to Christ, rather, through repentance of your sin and through surrender to Him as Lord of your life. Will you do that this morning? If you need to do that, don't delay. Do it right now. Bow your head and go to prayer in Him. Repent of your sin. And put your trust in the Savior. He's the only one that has power to set you free. And maybe this morning you're a Christian, but you found yourself trying to put back on those old chains of sin in your life. Well, understand that the same power who raised Jesus from the dead, we're going to really celebrate that next week, that same power will help you overcome the power of sin. Okay, sin has no power over you, believer. So stop letting it. It only has the power that you allow it to have because Jesus has defeated sin on the cross. Ask Him to help you once again overcome. And come back to Him this morning in repentance and, and He will forgive. Maybe this morning you just want to praise Him for... Just the amazing freedom that we found in Christ. I hope that you feel that this morning as a believer. I hope that you, if not, ask him. You know, just tell him that this morning. Lord, I don't, I, he's talking about this freedom, and I did once feel this freedom, but I don't feel it today. Ask him to reignite that, that freedom that you have. Ask him to reignite the gospel in your heart. Maybe you just want to praise Him for that freedom, though. We've, we have found the one who fulfills us completely in this life and the next. That's the thing about Christianity. We're not better than people. We've, we've just found the answer. And the answer was never in us. In fact, we were just another barrier because we sinned. But the answer is in the one who has paid for that sin we just want people to know that I'm not trying to point fingers at people and we just want you to be free don't you just want your lost friends to just be free and they just don't get it they just can't don't you need to pray for family member or a friend this morning 
In fact, if you've got somebody on your heart, would you just lift your hand up and say, I need you to pray for a lost family member, friend. Yeah, I see hands everywhere. Yeah, let's just pray for them right now. Let's let's just lift them up. Let's lift up. Let's lift up those lost friends and family members to him right now in this moment. Lord, please open their eyes. Lord, Satan is so deceptive and he's deceiving these ones that we love. Father, please do something. Use whatever means necessary to bring them to relationship with you, Jesus. Please, God, we beg you. We beg you to open their eyes. And we know it's an act of you. You have to do it. They can't will themselves to it. Show them. Open their eyes. Help them repent of sin. Help them to see, to see things how they are. Please save them. Please save, Lord. Please save. I'm going to go ahead and close with some prayer this morning. We're going to end on a song. Father, we praise you for this freedom that only comes through Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you've changed our hearts, that you've changed our desires, Lord, and that you've changed our destinies in Christ. And Father, help us to abide. Help us to abide. Help us to abide in Him daily. Help us to walk in in the spirit, Lord. Help us to walk in your word, Lord. Oh, Father, help us not to be deceived by Satan. Lord, he will have his way with us if you do not lead us. And so we just admit our dependence on you this morning, Lord. Protect us from his ways and help us to see the truth day by day. Help us to see the truth, Lord, day by day. Open our eyes, Lord, to the things we are blind to, even as Christians. Father, give us boldness to go proclaim freedom to the captives out there, which we once were. Help us to proclaim that freedom, Lord Jesus. Give us boldness. Lord, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for the cross. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.